glad on us. Thank you for logging in and joining us, those on YouTube, Facebook, and our website. Uh, we are here to worship our God together. Amen. Thank you for those who have been joining us in person and those who join us right where you are on today. Bless us as uh, we bless our God together and our music ministry leaders to fellowship with one another. Oh, 
an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their wrongs and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. Amen. Amen.
Amen. We come to magnify the Lord. We come to praise his holy name. We came to lift him up. But he is worthy. He is worthy. Let us turn to our worthy God. Mighty God, we are grateful for allowing us one more time to be to gather in this place. Father, right now, we pray now, Lord, that you will guide us further into your presence. Truly, Lord, let it be all of you and none of us. May you be pleased, Lord, with our worship. Guide us, direct us, that we might have your word hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you, that, Lord, we might see Jesus in the preaching and the teaching of your word. Amen. Amen. As we continue on our study about dealing with our conditions and how God calls us out and how we can respond in the conditions we may be in, though we did not choose them. As we continue on looking at this message preached in Acts 7 chapter by Stephen, talking about again how Israel had rejected the prophets before, just as they have rejected the, the resurrected Lord and Savior, Son of God, Jesus Christ. And in that, he's talking about how they even rejected Moses, and that's why he speaks about Moses and basically the thirds of the life, the first 40 years, his second 40 years. And that's where we're going to be in today, in the second 40 years, when Moses was rejected, Moses was called out, Moses was looked to be, uh, leave Midian, I'm sorry, leave Egypt to go to Midian uh, because he assumed he was the ruler when he was not, and he was rejected by Egypt and by his own people, but yet he was accepted in Midian. Think about that for a moment, that he was accepted in Midian, and they recognized him as an Egyptian, but yet he felt like a child that had no home. We find that out, how we named his first son Gershom, meaning I am a foreigner here. Basically said, I'm a foreigner in the place that I am. I have no home. I have nothing to call my own. But God blessed me with the son, and the son makes me reflect on my moment and where I am in my life, and I am a foreigner. But then we find out he has a second son, and then he names his second son Elijah, recognizing that my God has protected me from Pharaoh. So now when this second child, we see a different perspective of Moses. He's content now. He's satisfied now. He's happy where he is and realize that I'm only here because my God has protected me. My God has preserved me. My God has saved me. And so now we pick up in these next 40 years that now Moses is a shepherd. Moses is married with two children. Um, and as a shepherd, I want you to understand here, he does not own the sheep. Uh, they belong to his father-in-law. Uh, so he left with not with his, his princely uh, wealth and prestige and easy living to now that he left with nothing. And now he has, but yet what he does have is what was given to him. But yet he's content. He's okay. And so I want to encourage us to learn to trust God over ourselves, over our own ideas and dreams. Learn to trust God that he knows what's best for you better than you know for yourself. I want to encourage us as we talk about today, God calls us when he is ready. Help me tell you never. God calls us when he is ready. Not when you think you're ready, but when he is ready. Life moves at her own time. Life does not wait for anybody. Definitely in sports, we talk about athletes that play past the prime, how father time is still undefeated. 
No matter how we live our life, time is going to move on. But how do we move in that time makes the difference. Sometimes if we move ahead of time, we might mess things up. And sometimes if we move too slow, we might miss our chance. But when God moves, he's always right on time. And so if I can rest in God and trust in God, tell me, I can tell my neighbor everything is going to be all right. So be careful in seeking out things ahead of time when it's not your time. And, and, and think about how while you are waiting for God to move in your life, you need to take care of what God has already given you. I got a few amens. See, Moses now has left what he knows. And now he's learning something new and he's becoming good at what he does because his father-in-law is entrusting him with this sheep. But yet, here's a situation about we got to take care of what we have. If you have a car and a combustion engine, they tell you a couple of things about taking care of this car. You need to fill it up with gas. They tell you what kind of gas. If you forget, they put it on the gas tank. They let you know, put this grade in only. They'll let you know, no ethanol or at least 10% ethanol. They'll let you know if you need oil in your engine. If you forget, they put it on the cap if your cap's not worn out. And I'm talking to somebody here. And you can see the numbers on the what kind of oil do I need to put into my engine. But you put the wrong grade of gas, you put the wrong oil in, you're going to mess your engine up. Regardless how good it looks on the outside, it's messed up on the inside. And so I want to encourage us to understand that we can allow the exterior to fool some people, but we know we messed up on the inside. So we're not taking care of what we need to take care of. We need to follow the care and instructions that God has given us and live our life to the fullest. God, God, God encourages us to pray. God encourages us to read his word. God encourages us to trust in him. But oftentimes we hear so many other voices that tell us to do other things. They tell us to do some things that are not healthy, some things that are not beneficial for us. But yet they give us some sense of gratification. They give us some sense of joy, some sense of elation. But all this is fleeting. But yet, what God gives us will last. Tell your neighbor, God gives you a last. So God, as our creator, knows what's best for us. And so we must lean on his word, lean on his, on his presence, and lean on him to guide us to where he wants us to be. Notice when we look in this text, we're going to talk about how God now calls Moses while Moses is in the wilderness. Let me refresh for us again. Thank you, Pastor Price, for reading it earlier. Again, Acts 7, chapter verses 30 to 34. I'm going to read it as our theme text as we're unpacking from Acts 7, chapter. Before our background text that we'll be preaching and exegeting from will become from Exodus 3rd chapter, verses 1 through 10. So you can stick a pen right there as well. New Living Translation, Acts 7, chapter, verses 30 to 34 reads, 40 years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans, and I have come down to rescue them. Now go, 
from sending you back to Egypt. Praise God for his word. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for standing in honor of God's word. So God's timing is always good. I want to point out here that Moses is good where he is. He's out shepherding in the pasture like he does. But on this day, it seems he's going a little bit further than his normal route. That he's outside, that he's near this mountain. This is not a normal tradition, but yet Moses probably with his expertise realized that maybe I need to go out where the grass is big, where the grass is longer. And so he goes out towards this mountain area and his range with the shepherd and so, uh, as a shepherd. And then he sees this burning, this burning bush. But I want to highlight here, before we get to him being well living as a shepherd, this is Moses, what he knows what's going on. But God is always working in the background. Exodus 2nd chapter, verses 23 and 25 tells us this. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. Why is that important? Where the one who brought him dead is dead. The one that he feared is gone. But yet he does not know that. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God is still being God. Moses tried to to uh, try to set the people free. He tried to liberate them ahead of time, but it wasn't the right time. But God is still looking for the right time to do it where he wants it all to work out. And the people are still crying out to God that they need help. Verse 24 of Exodus 2nd chapter says, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. That, that lets you know it's time for some action. You see, Moses, 40 years ago, thought it was time to act. But the time was not right. And since he did not act right and he did not do right, he had to flee as a fugitive, wanted by the law, for killing an Egyptian. Now, running undercover, he's now made a new life. Kind of like on witness protection, <laughs> doing a whole new profession, got a new family, children, living a new life. This is something important to find out that as an Egyptian, Egyptians would never be caught being shepherds. That is a dirty job. It's, an, it's not an honorary job. It's an odorous job. They Because you sleep with the sheep, so you're going to smell like the sheep because you stay with the sheep. They don't want to do that kind of job. But here it is. He went from, from the highest to the lowest and come of staff and class. And yet he is content to doing what he is doing, so much so that he's not even looking to go back. Remember, he changed his son's name. I'm sorry, his first son's name means to be I'm a foreigner here. His second son's name is me. My God has protected me. He's protected me right where I am. But now Moses is 80 years old. So the first 40 years he was kind of abandoned, having a as, as you could say, being uh, not only abandoned, but he had to flee for his life because his mother could no longer, his father could no longer protect him, so they hid him in the basket. But yet he was found by Pharaoh's daughter to be raised in all the Egyptian ways and education process, but also he was nursed by his mother. So not only did he learn the ethnic inheritance of being a Hebrew, being a Jew, he identified with them, but also he understood the privilege and the promise of being a prince, but yet he'd rather defend the Hebrew because he seems a man of just, which we see that also 
demonstrated when he runs and flees for his life and he defends these women he does not know, but see them being mistreated. He just he desires what is just, what is right. He defends them that he now gains friendship by their father, and their father gives them his daughter. Now they become family. He has a children. But yet now it's been 40 years since he was found at the well in the wilderness. Moses is now 80 years old, y'all. He, he's now looking at retirement. He's out in the past. He's chilling now. Those them young fighting days are over for him trying to go and strangle an Egyptian. But now while he's out there in the pasture looking out into the sun, wondering when he's going to take these sheep back, he sees something amazing. You see the text says that, right? It amazes him. Join me in Exodus, third chapter. Look what it says there. When Moses sees this burning bush, Verse 1 says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jephthah, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Y'all, this is when you know you're out by yourself a lot. You start talking to yourself. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go to see it. And so here it is that he is amazed by what he sees out by himself. He got nobody else to nudge. Say, do you see what I see? So he talks to himself like, do you see what you see? <laughs> Let's go see it for ourselves for real, for real, and see what's happening here. And so here it is. Now, Exodus the second chapter tells us, God says the time is now. So the time is now. I can also see how it could, it could simultaneously match up that that's when he showed up in the bush. Mm. At the time that I need to move to set my people free, now's the time I got to get Moses ready to come and set them free. And so when the time got ready, the time got right, God made this amazing, miraculous thing to happen. Now, here's something else to find out in this text. When God does miracles, it's done to edify his work. Miracles are not done for magic shows to attract people to be around and nothing happens. No, miracles are done in order to edify the work of the kingdom. And so this was not done for some show, but this was done to cause Moses to understand that I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's the situation, though. Where is Moses now? He's an old man, raising his children, living in the wilderness as a shepherd. He's not in Egypt in the palace with power and authority that he can say things and things can happen. So he has no power. He has no authority. But yet now he's being introduced to one who does have power, who does have authority, who can say things and things change. And so here's the situation here now. God now has to move Moses to go to greatness. What is it in your life that sometimes you become complacent? You become comfortable that you're not willing to move from where you are to go do something great. You, you might be fearful of the challenge because you're going to do a new experience, something you have not done before. And so, therefore, you are fearful you're going to fail, so you don't want to try. Let me encourage you that you've already failed when you have not tried. If you try, you might find out you might succeed. 
Here it is that God is calling Moses from being a shepherd to come and set my people free. He has to make this decision right now. But notice also that God already knew Moses' desire to free the people. And so Moses had to wait for God to get the time right for him to free the people. So not only does God help move Moses and motivate Moses, because he's already understanding of Moses' desire. And so greatness comes from the desire to be better than the best, and is oftentimes is coupled with dedication, with motivation. Hence why most successful people have a coach somewhere. You, you go find, I don't care who it is. Many other kids love Steph Curry. I talk to kids about Steph Curry. They say, I love Steph Curry. I love Steph Curry. And, and you know, Steph Curry got a coach, a personal coach, not his NBA coach, a coach that's outside that works with him on his game. And so in, Steph Curry understands, in order for me to be good, I need somebody to help me to be good. And so here's the situation that encourages us that don't settle for what you have. But realize, I want to be great. And so there's a book out that said, good is the enemy of great. Sometimes we get good, we don't want to get great. And so we become satisfied. We become complacent. We become content that we're not willing to move. But God understands, let me give you some motivation. The motivation gives us says, let me show you this burning bush. <laughs> this burning bush motivates him and says, you know what, I need to go check this out. And now we get into the interaction, how God comes to him. That he goes from having a, a life of richness to now a life of poverty, a life of, of lower class status and a job that's not glamorous, but a job that is odious. Uh, he does not have anything he owns. He's serving his father-in-law, living his father-in-law's property, using his father-in-law's equipment to take care of his father-in-law's sheep, but he's blessed that he doesn't have his own wife and his own children. But yet Moses is still not home. But notice how God shows him that Moses, I have not forgotten. He says his name twice. That's a, that's a term of endearment. When they say the name twice, Moses, Moses. He's showing him that I love you. I have a relationship with you. I have an affinity with you. And Moses responds with the traditional response. Here I am. We, we, you can see that when, when God calls Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel had no idea. Y'all know that, right? So three times he went to Eli. He's like, that wasn't me. That was God. So next time, respond to God and say, here I am. And the beautiful thing about when Eli tells Samuel how to respond, Samuel had to go to Eli. Y'all missed that. He had to get up and go to Eli to respond. But he, Eli says, when God calls, just say, here I am, because God is everywhere. Mm. And so Moses now is something is having something very special and something very unique that God is saying, I am changing this mountain. Here's why. Exodus introduces us to this mountain for its historical perspective that this is the mountain of God. It wasn't the mountain of God before God showed up there. It was just a mountain. But now since God has changed that mountain, it is forever known the mountain of God or the mountain where God dwells because God showed up in a burning bush. Moses drawn to this mountain because of this burning bush. But also there's something burning inside of Moses that he still can probably thinking about how, how did I get here? I, I got here because I saw my people oppressed and, 
I thought I was doing it right by trying to stop them from oppressing my people and abusing my people. Uh, I, I got here because I moved ahead of time and the time was not right. I got here because they rejected me. Since they rejected me, I had no home, so I had to flee. I, I, I'm still desperate for my people to be healed and be helped. And, and we learned that later on in this text. We're not going to deal with it today. But he tells us, Father-in-law, when I got I to gotta go back and see. I don't even know if they're alive. But yet something's still burning inside and wondering, can it be better? Can it get right? But when the Lord saw Moses now respond to his voice and he comes close and says, and he says, here I am. God now shows him something more special. He says, take off your sandals. Do not come any closer. You are standing on holy ground. And then God introduced himself. So this theophany experience here, this, this physical representation of God for us to see him happens. And when you look in this text, first thing that happens is that God does something miraculous for them to see him. They know that he is there. Secondly, God then calls them and they respond to the call. The third thing is that what God does then, now God declares to him this holiness of who he is. And so God said, let me introduce myself to you. First of all, I'm holy. So you can't just roll up in here like you don't have no respect. Take your sandals off. That's a sign of respect. Oftentimes, oftentimes in the ancient Near East, the slaves had no shoes. So everybody knew that they were at a lower status. And that's why when people came into the house, they would take their shoes off and then the slaves would what? Wash their feet. Because you go to somebody's house, you're their guest. And so now you submit to their authority under their cover. Here it is that God has made the mountain his home. Moses now has to take his shoes off to get in the presence of God. But then God takes it another level to him saying, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So here's the other thing. God already knew Moses could not see him and live. So God had to show himself in a bush burning with fire. One thing I like about this bush being burned with fire is that Moses is in awe that he knows what it looks like when something catches on fire and to be consumed. And so think about it, right? When something's burning, oftentimes there's a whole lot of smoke, right? Because it's burning the embers and it's dying. But yet this fire is, is not consuming this bush. Think about that for a moment. When I think about that, many of my Sunday school people, y'all remember you know, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Right? They were in the fire, but they were not consumed. It's amazing how in God's presence, he can preserve us. From the things that's supposed to hurt us. Mm. He can protect us when others are trying to get us. And so here it is. This bush is being used not only to represent God, but also so how God does not hinder or hurt those he's helping. Do not come any closer. Responding to God's call in our life, we too must come like Moses with humility and reverence. As they're trusting in God to lead us to where he wants us to be, notice how Moses covers his face. He realized that, look, I am in awe. I am in reverence. I am not worthy to be in your presence. Hence that when we read the word worship, oftentimes it means to bow down. Basically, put the face down to the ground. Basically, means to kiss the ground. Basically, means that I will hide my face in your presence. Here's a beautiful thing about our God that he desires for us to know him. And to see him. So therefore God shows up in a burning bush so that Moses can have a free conversation with God. Because 
Moses cannot see God face to face and live. We cannot see God face to face and live. That's why we must be changed. That's why when we pass from this life to go to another, that we'll be changed and we'll be made like Christ. We'll be made to be like him so we can forever be in God's presence and see him face to face. And that's why we like that good old song that when I see Jesus. Amen. So God helps Moses to see God for who he is and to humble himself before him. He removes his sandals and he comes into God's presence in this place. God defines himself as Elohim, as the Elohim of Abraham, Elohim of Isaac, the Elohim of Jacob. I'm highlighting that because that's the, the royal name of God. That's the God that's introduced to us in Genesis. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. But then we learn the personal identification name of when Moses asked, who do I say that sent you? And they say, say I am. And that's where we get the word Yahweh from, of God. So Moses now covers his face and because it's the presence of God, of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why is that important? I'm glad you're asking so many questions. Thank you all for staying awake and paying attention. Exodus second chapter says God remembered his covenant. His covenant was with Abraham. He renewed that covenant with Isaac. He renewed that covenant with Jacob. And that covenant was that I will let you, Genesis 15 chapter says, you will be captive for 400 years and be oppressed and rule the youth. But yet I will set your people free. Even so much so that Jacob's sons understood this. Even Joseph, he said, well, y'all leave here. Don't bury me here. Take my bones out of Egypt and bury me with my family. Even Joseph understood that this is just temporary. What y'all meant for evil, God meant it for good. And here it is that, remember, Exodus opens up the Pharaoh, this new Pharaoh does not know Joseph. And since he does not know Joseph, he does not know what Joseph did, and now he fears the people, Joseph's brethren. But yet, here's a simple thing I want you to understand here, that God is still working. Verse 7 and 10, the Acts 3 says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. Aren't you glad God hears us? Aren't you glad God sees us? Aren't you glad that our God can move? We do not worship a statue. We don't worship something that is dead. Our God is the living God. He's able to say, he's able to speak, he's able to move, he's able to do things. And help us and deliver us when we can't even help ourselves. And so here it is that he says that I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave driver. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. I like this part. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And then I want you to catch this here. He says, it's the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perserites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. I want, to, I want to highlight this because God has people there that he's going to be evicted. That's going to be able for the people that he has chosen to live there. But here's the situation. They're there now so that the land will be flowing with milk and honey. Do you understand? You need somebody to farm the land. He's somebody to take care of the land. 
you know, milk don't just show up. Honey just doesn't show up. So God will say, I got people there working on this stuff for you so that when you show up, it'll be there. Y'all don't hear me. I, I, what I'm trying to help you to understand that what you want, God might have already been preparing for you. You just need to do what he's called you to do. So when the time is right, you will show up and get what he has for you. Israel had to wait 400 years, but yet God has it ready. And verse 9 tells us, he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must leave my people Israel out of Egypt. That's why we love the, the hymn and the song, I love the Lord, for he heard my cry. Notice the cry from the people move God to send Moses back to his people. God sees the harshness of their treatment. God is not pleased with how they're being abused and being misused, but also God is pleased that they're still calling out his name. I don't know what you're going through, but God does know what you're going through. And I guarantee that God hears your cries when you're crying out late at night, wondering, is there any help? Is there anybody out there that can help me, that can set me free? But I want to encourage you, just as God showed the children of Israel, I can raise up a leader that was born in a basket, drawn out of water, and I can lead him to set you free. Matter of fact, we know we looked down 42 generations. Now he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. You understand? God knows when you need somebody. And that's why Jesus let us know that I'm not going to leave you helpless. But I'm going to send you the paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to intercede on our behalf, to lead us, guide us, and direct us, and teach us of all things. Have you submitted and surrendered to the Spirit of God? When we allow God to be God and we just be his children, then we are open for God to lead us to where he wants us to be. God sees what they're going through. We're in a time now, when you look at this text, you can see why many of the Negro spirituals echo Moses. Because a time of hardship, a time of pain, sweet old sweet cherry, come and take me home we all go down, Moses, go down, Moses. Let my people go. We understand here what it means to believe that our God will set us free. What it means to know that there's liberation. But then, can it help you out to see some other similarities here? That Egypt represents bondage. Egypt represents a place of pain. And God is taking them from where they are to take them to where they should be. Where we are now, it's not where we should be. But you know, Jesus is coming back again. To take us from where we are. To put us where we should be. And so God's timing is always his timing. God calls us when he is ready. We, we, we've been to many funerals. All right? We've been to many funerals and we're always upset. I don't know about you. I've never been to a happy funeral. We can rejoice because the person... You know, we love and we know where they're going, but we're not happy because it's never enough time. I don't care how old they are. We never have enough time. 
If I can have one more time to hug, one more time to kiss, one more time to spend some time, will always be enough time. But yet we don't have enough time because time is not on our side. But yet we serve a God who's not limited by time. <laughs> and so when we understand that this is not our home, let me trust the one who has everything under control. Though I may be overwhelmed, though I may be pressed on every side, I understand that my God is able to sustain me and keep me so I can bend but not break. But yet again, when I look at Moses, Moses reminds us that sometimes after we've gone through the struggle, we forget what the struggle looks like. Moses is no longer struggling now. He's out there living the good life, not being beat, not being whipped, not being oppressed and being misused just because he's a Hebrew. He's out there loving his wife, raising his sheep, and raising his children. But God now has called him out to motivate him to go back to Egypt. Y'all with me there in the text? Right. Look at verse 11. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your son, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Remember again, the text introduced to us, this was the mountain of God. He's letting Moses know that I will send you there. And guess what? You'll come right back here. What I want to encourage us is that Moses understood that he had no power. He had no authority. Who am I that I can go back? But notice the assurance of God was that I will be with you. Tell your neighbor, God is with you. To know that he is with us, even though we might be facing some hardships, some trials, and some tribulations, we can remind us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can remind ourselves that I am more than a conqueror. We can remind ourselves no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We can remind ourselves the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We can remind ourselves the Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? We can remind ourselves my God's a present help in the time until we can remind ourselves the battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. We can remind ourselves the Lord is my shade and my son. We can remind ourselves he's my rock. And he is my brother. We're going to remind ourselves he is my redeemer. We're going to remind ourselves that he is Lord all by himself. And so we can remind ourselves that our God desires for us to worship him, to serve him. And he will never lead us and leave us. But he will always guide us and direct us. So knowing that God calls us when he is ready. I want to know, are you ready to respond when he calls? In order for you to be ready when he responds, you got to know who he is. Moses knew who God is. Do you know him as God the creator? As God the author and the finisher of your faith? Do you know him as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Do you know him 
as God that sent down his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins, so that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Do you know him as the good shepherd? Do you know him as the life and the resurrection? Do you know him as the way, the truth, and the life? Do you know him as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? Do you know him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And if you don't know him, then I encourage you to go to a church. Go to a Bible study. Go to a Sunday school and study his word and grow. And definitely you can do this. Say, Lord, I want to know you. And watch him so well. Watch somebody show up in your life to tell you about Jesus. We see that here in the text. God heard their cry. He sent Moses. God might have a brother, might have a sister, might have a friend, might be a stranger. If I show up in your life and they can tell you about Jesus. And how your life can be changed. But trust that God moves at his time. But will you be ready? So if you want to be ready, right now, prepare yourself to receive what God has called you to do. By just humbling yourself. So that when you do receive it, you'll be humble like Moses. You'll respect God. And you'll obey God. Let us pray. Mighty Father, Lord, we just thank you. For great is our faithfulness. Great is our grace and mercy. And Lord, we ask you forgive us the time that we went about it on our own. We went on our schedule and our timeline. And we did not follow you. But thank you, Lord, that you, our grace is your mercy, has shown yourself faithful to us, even in our time of rebellion and rejection. Father, Lord, we thank you for the now, right now, where we are. Awaken us, motivate us, oh God. That we move further to do greater things for your glory and for your own. And the Lord, with someone out there that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and say, Lord, I pray they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and rose again from the grave on the third day. And the Lord, that they invite you into their heart to be their personal Lord and Savior. The Lord, I pray that they will find a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching, church, and helping them grow and mature to be the disciples of Christ who called them to be. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for blessing us with your word. And may we have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online. Continue to stay connected through design on our website uh, and also on Facebook, YouTube. Share it and comment with one another. And also, too, I uh, want to share that uh, this week the Freedom Fest is going on in, in Harrison and uh, nightly tonight at 6 p.m. Um, Pastor Eric Potter and I will be down there uh, this evening uh, to help step in, to help with a, give a word this evening at 6 p.m. to Harrison Park, part of the Freedom Fest. So we just stepped in um, to help out. So we weren't we were on the A plan, but we were on the B plan. And so we're going to help out in that process. But the Freedom Fest is all this week down to the Harrison. Um, and with more information, we'll be happy to share that with you after our worship service. Uh, hosted by Pastor from Irene and Southside Church of Concern. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Until we meet again, Jesus loves you, and so do I.